Thank you, Di. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for your faithfulness. We're thankful that you knew us. Even from before the foundations of the earth, you had us in your heart. And today, Lord, we stand here with such a sense of God working in us, around us, through us, for us. And I pray, Lord, that you would cause every individual, every person in this place, those who are here today in person, those who are watching online, those who will watch a video in the future, or those who will hear this message, that you would speak to us and that your word would cause faith to rise in our hearts. We thank you, Lord, for your divine purpose and plan. Nothing has changed. You are on track with your divine purpose, and we're so thankful that we're a part of it. Help us to fulfill our own personal destiny. Help us to collectively fulfill our divine purpose as a church, as a people of faith. We give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Please give the worship team a hand and thank them for once again doing a great job. Well, before I forget, and I, it's not something I want to forget, we have, uh, after the service, we're going to uh, give those who were baptized yesterday a certificate of baptism. We have some photographs. I think we're going to show out the front. But we had a baptismal service yesterday at Pirate's Cove, and it was a great, uh, what a great way to celebrate our uh, 16th birthday, baptizing people, uh, which is what we're all about, which is what we've always been about. And uh, it was a great uh, morning. We were so uh, we were so excited to be able to do that, clambering over the rocks and down to Pirate's Cove, and uh, it was a, like I said, it was a great morning. So afterwards, I think we have cake. We have cupcakes. It is a birthday after all, so there's cakes, and uh, we're going to have that moment out there. So we'd love you to join us after the service. And also, uh, just to reiterate what Di said, happy 16th birthday. To those who are here, who have been a part of our journey uh, for the last 16 years, some longer than others. Uh, for those who are watching online, we're so thankful for each and every one of you, the part that you've played in, in, uh, in our journey. And I think going up there, there are some photographs of, uh, of, of the journey along the way. Too many for us to, uh, to put in one uh, collage. But so many, so many special moments over the years, and we're so thankful for each and every one of you. Um, as Di was uh, uh, sharing that prophetic word from Kathy Leshner, which she gave to us 23 years ago, uh, I was tearing up because it was such a profound and such a, a powerful word, prophetic word, so much of which came to pass. It was like she... If she had written that now about the last 16 years, it would have been, yeah, okay, that's a good account. That's a good story of what happened. And for us, it was a huge step of faith to leave. Um, and Di said, I wasn't a 20-year-old. Uh, in, uh, in 2006, 
uh, when we came over here, I had just turned, uh, I had just turned, I had just turned uh, 51. I was a 51-year-old, and I left my job. We left our house. I left. We left everything to come and plant the church here, and it was a step of faith. Believe you me, to leave all that behind. No guarantee. No golden parachute. Uh, and we put everything on the line. And we're so thankful to God that we took that step and we made that step of faith. Um, like I said, there are literally thousands of people who've been a part of our church over the years who are living in other parts of the country, other parts of the world, that we're so thankful for we're a part of our journey. And you are here, a part of our journey now, as we move forward into the coming years. Um, after what's been a, a two years that we could never have imagined, I think no one would ever have imagined that the events of the last two years would have, would have taken place. Um, but I'm just, I want to encourage you today. I do have a message that I'm going to bring. I want to encourage you today. I love that verse that Solomon says. Uh, Solomon wrote where he said, and he put eternity in their hearts. God has placed eternity in your heart. And I want to encourage you to live looking through the lens of eternity with every decision that you make as you go through the sometimes the grind of daily life with all of its struggles and with all of its pains and with all of its challenges to live with eternity in your heart. Because eternity is what God has placed within us. And all that we do here in time is going to resonate in eternity. And so every choice that we make, every decision that we make, and I think about the decision to come here to the United States. And like Di said, when she, when I heard another land, the United States of America was the furthest from my mind. I thought maybe Africa. Maybe we go to West Africa. I've done a lot of work in Ghana. Maybe we'll plant a church in Ghana. And we ended up in Orange County. And uh, here we are. And I'm so thankful uh, for God's faithfulness. And I'm so thankful for you. Um, so uh, just a, a short encouragement. God is faithful. Never be afraid. Never be afraid to take a step in faith, whatever it may be. And I'm not talking about geographical movement. I'm talking about faith decisions, faith choices. Believe God. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that we could ever ask or imagine. So let me continue some great photos there. Um, let me continue with this series uh, living Stones. First of all, I want to welcome Arturo Alel and his family who are visiting here from Santiago de Chile. Um, they are uh, visiting us. I met Arturo and his wife back and he sent me a photograph in 2013. Uh, so nine years ago. I think I look younger now than I did then, so must be doing something right. But um, he, uh, we met him there. They're here on vacation, going back to Chile tomorrow. But great to have him, great to have him with us. So, 
This is part three of a series called Living Stones. And I want to read what Peter said in his letter, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. He said this, you, who's he talking to? Yeah, <laughs> me. The right answer is me, not you. <laughs> who's he talking to? Me. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. I came across this quote by C.S. Lewis, who was a famous author, of course, wrote the Narnia Chronicles and many other books, a well-known Christian author, was a great friend of Tolkien, who wrote the Lord of the Rings series, both of whom were believers, Christians. And he wrote this, and I, I think it's very fitting as we think about the subject of how we as living stones are being built into a spiritual house. And he said this, imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You know that those jobs needed doing and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. What a great thought. God is building us as individuals into a house in whom he wants to dwell. And in the same way, Peter talks about how we collectively are like living stones who God is placing together and building into a spiritual house. I love that song we sang, Beneath the Waters, that was written by Brooke Fraser. And it, and it starts off, This is my revelation. What a great way to start a song. This is my revelation. Christ Jesus crucified. And then she goes on. I think Brooke Fraser is such a, a, a great writer because her, her lyrics are so profound. And, and, and she thinks she's a deep thinker. In fact, a great fan of C.S. Lewis's. And like Di said, she sang the first song that was ever sung in our church down at 2601 PCH. Used to be Josh Slocum's. Dennis Rodman's old nightclub, which is where we started our church. And uh, she sang the first song, None But Jesus. I asked her specifically, could you sing that song? Because we want our church to be all about Jesus. But she starts that song, This is my revelation, Christ Jesus crucified. And Peter had a revelation. And when he wrote about how we as living stones are being built into a spiritual house, he was saying that based on the revelation that he had had on the slopes of Mount Hermon when Jesus had asked, who do men say that I am? And then asked the next question, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied to him, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. You are Peter. Peter meaning in, in Greek, a little stone. 
And on this rock, I will build my church with stones like you. That's not in the original text, but that's what Jesus was referring to, like stones, with stones like you, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So Peter had a deeply embedded revelation about Christ as the rock, and the revelation that Christ was building his church on Christ the cornerstone, and that he was building us like living stones into a spiritual house. Last week, I talked about how three foundational thoughts. God is a builder. God's all about building. And he created us with that in our DNA. Whether you like it or not, you're a builder. Does that mean you're Bob the Builder? No. I have some jobs to do around the house. I am not Bob the Builder, but I can learn, and I'm learning how to do some things around the house, and I have over the years. I've become reasonably good at it by necessity. God is a builder, but he put within each and every one of us in our DNA a design to build. You say, well, I'm not, a bil- I'm not, a, I'm not into construction. No, but you, are, you were created with the ability to build in your life, to build relationships, to build uh, the, 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 the thing that you are called to do, whether you are whether you are an architect or whether you're in education or whether you're whatever field you may be in. So he put that in our DNA. And God is going to build his church with us or without us. COVID has not put God's building plan into uh, on hold or on the back burner. God is going to build the church. So secondly, the second thought, overriding thought or prevailing thought is God wants to build us. Just like C.S. Lewis wrote, God wants to build us. I'm a work in progress. You are a work in progress. Ephesians 2 verse 10 in the Amplified Version, for we are his workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art. You can tell your Spouse, when you get home, or tell your friend, I'm a work of art. I'm a masterwork. Created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used. Are you ready to be used? Ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which he set so that we would walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. And the good news is that Paul then writes to the Philippians, I'm confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. God's a builder. He wants to build us. And he wants to finish what he began. And then the third thing that we, we, we took time to look at is that God calls us to build with him. I asked I this morning as I was going over my message, should that be God invites us to build with him? God wants us to build with him? Or God calls us to build with him? Well, it's all of the above. But I like the call 
Because God is calling. He's calling you. He's calling me. He's calling us to build with him and to be part of the greatest building program the world has ever seen, to be a part of the greatest cause of all, to be a part of building his church against which the gates of hell will not prevail, against the one thing that will stand the test of time, to build the one thing that will be here when everything else has changed, crumbled, and all has gone, and God creates a new heaven and a new earth, what God has built and what you and I build with him will remain. And he's inviting us. He's asking us. He's calling us to build with him. So I, I concluded the message with three questions last week, which I hope you've had time to think about and I'm going to look at the first of these three. First of all, am I being conformed or transformed? Am I being conformed or transformed? Secondly, am I building randomly or intentionally? And then third thought, am I building according to God's pattern or my own? So I want to touch on that today. God is a builder, and he wants to build you, and he wants to build me. And so if I am going to allow God to build me, I need to understand there is a process that is involved in that. Or if I'm American, there is a process that is involved with that. And at the same time, as God has a process, the world around us is trying to squeeze us into its mold so that we can be conformed to what's hap happening in the world around about us. I remember as a teenager, I was very aware of the pressure to conform. I shared last week about how a few weeks back, I went to the UK and I went to a festival of speed that was started by a friend of mine um, that I went to school with. And I had another friend who we were at school together, the three of us were there together. And it was interesting to the conversations that we had as we thought back to our teenage years. But all of us shared this in common, that we were a part of a system that we did not want to conform to. And I was very aware at that age of the pressure to conform. What was expected of me? What the norms of the world that I was a part of were? And I didn't want to conform. I was a non-conformist. And I rebelled. I wanted something different. And so, in the process of time, I became a part of a subculture that seemed to be non-conformist, but was every bit as conformist as the culture that I came from. <laughs> I became a hippie. And I discovered that hippies were every bit as conformist as the, the culture that I had been a part of. And so, I decided I was going to be a non-conformist hippie. I didn't want to conform to the conformity of the hippie culture that was trying to tell the world how non-conformist they were, but were at the same time extremely conformist. Yeah. 
what I was doing was what most teenagers do and most people who are discovering themselves in their journey of life, and you can probably think of yourself in the same, maybe in the same way, is that without a clear compass for my life, I began to challenge the status quo. But deep down on the inside of me, I was looking for something that was far deeper and far more profound. I was looking for truth. I was looking to find meaning and purpose in life. And I wanted to be set free from the pressures of conformity. And I was not living in a Christian world. I was not living in a world where... uh, A personal relationship with Christ was something that I knew about. I wasn't living in a world where going to church was something that I chose to do. It was only something that I was made to do when I was at school. But what I was really looking for was a connection with Christ that would bring an internal transformation rather than conforming to the external pressures and influences of the world in which I lived. And it was only when I had an encounter with Jesus Christ as a 23-year-old that I began to realize that God wanted to build my life. God wanted to engage me in his great building program and that I did not need to conform. What I needed to do was to be transformed. And this is what Paul talks about in his letter to the Romans where he says Romans 12 chapter verse chapter 12 verse 2 and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that may you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Paul saying, don't be conformed. He's identifying that there are pressures in this world that are trying to con- cause us to conform to the pattern of this world. We are, there are pressures around us trying to squeeze us into a particular way of thinking. And, God, and he says here, don't be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How is our mind renewed? Our mind is renewed through the reading of God's word. Am I being transformed continually? I'm talking in not just the present sense, not just in the past tense, For the last 42 years that I've, or now 43 years, 44 years, the years are going by, that I've followed Christ. 44 years I've been following Christ. No, am I being continually transformed by the renewing of my mind? Am I allowing God to build my life? Am I learning? Am I growing? Am I engaged? Am I participating? Or am I just spinning the wheels? And this is a process. 
We're not transformed in an instant. We're transformed over a period of time. We're a work in progress. I remember many years ago visiting a cathedral or a basilica that was being built in Barcelona called La Sagrada Familia. Some of you may have visited it. But I first visited it 51 years ago in 1971. I was a teenager and I visited what is probably one of the modern wonders of the world, which is this cathedral that has been built that was begun in 1882. And it is still being built. I believe we have a photograph that's going up on the screen. Not that one, the other one, please, Jean Carlos. That's the model that he built and that we will look at in due course. But here's a photograph of La Sagrada Familia. Some of you may have been here, but it was the architect and the one who began the building was Gaudi. And Gaudi was a famous artist and also architect and a builder. And he designed this master plan for this cathedral that would depict the story of God's relationship with man. And it is an amazing creation. Begun in 1882 and it is still being built. 140 years later, it is still being built. It is still a work in progress after 140 years. And when I visited it six years ago, again for the second time, some 40 years after I had visited it the first time, it was still being built. And I think this cathedral is one of the greatest examples of the work of God in us. We are a work in progress. We will never be fully completed. We will always be being transformed. We will always be being changed if we allow God to continue to build in us. And if we do what the second thought was, we, be, we build intentionally rather than randomly. And in recent days, I've been giving a lot of thought to my own personal life, which I do, I hope, all the time, but even more so, about the intentionality of the areas of my life that I want to build, that I want to build stronger, that I want to build deeper, that I want to develop in these coming years in order to fulfill, in order to allow God to continue to transform me, but also to continue to build what God wants to build in and through me. Gaudi called himself God's architect. And that's how he is known. He had a master plan. He had a blueprint down to the finest detail. And he wanted his architecture to tell the story of God and man. God has a plan. And we are a part of that plan. And La Sagrada Familia is a constant reminder to the people of Barcelona and to people around the world, that we are a work in progress. We are part of something bigger than ourselves. 
And this, I believe, is almost a prophetic statement to the city and to the world of what God is wanting to do. And you would have to spend days and weeks going through the, the every wing and every area of La Sagrada Familia to see how he has painstakingly crafted image after image after image of, of God's plan of salvation. We're all a work in progress. We're all part of something bigger than ourselves. And Gaudi knew that the, the, the uh, Sagrada Familia would not be completed in his lifetime. He knew that it would outspend, that the, the building program would take longer to build than the years that he had, even though his life was cut short. And so he spent years building plaster models and plans that would act as guides to future generations and the architects to follow. And this is very interesting. And here is a photograph of one of the models that he made of the completed work of La Sagrada Familia. But after all these years with all of the plans and with all of the blueprints and all of the sketches and all of the designs, the interesting thing is that even now there is controversy about how to complete the final stages of Gaudi's master plan and how to maintain the integrity of Gaudi's plan for this building. And I think that's amazing because I find that the same controversy is there when it comes to the way that we interpret and read God's word and how we interpret the absolutes of God's word 2,000 years after they were written, 140 years or 150 years after the, the, the Gaudi's plans, there's controversy about how that can, can be completed. And we are facing today the same controversy from many, many parts of our society and community, and including sometimes within the church about the integrity of God's plan. But Jesus left a blueprint. Jesus left a model. Jesus said, left a master plan. And he gave us the ability to follow that plan if we wanted to be transformed and we wanted to become like him and we wanted to become the spiritual house that he wanted to build both individually and corporately. Jesus said, when Jesus said, follow me, he said, I've created a model for you to follow. He modeled kingdom life. When Peter chopped off Malchus, the high priest's servant's ear, Jesus didn't say, well done, good and faithful servant. He took his ear and he put it back on and he healed him. Even when he was being arrested. When the disciples called down fire from heaven on those who, who rejected Christ, Jesus didn't say, well done, thanks for that. He rebuked them and said, you don't know what spirit you're of. When the crowd of religious people wanted to stone the woman that was caught in adultery, Jesus didn't do what they expected to do and said, go ahead and fulfill what the law prescribes. He said, no, let the one who is without sin cast the first stone. When everyone else was unwilling to touch a leper, Jesus said, I am willing. 
what Jesus modeled was central to the gospel and the good news of the kingdom. And you and I, if we follow that model, can continue to be transformed from one degree of glory to the other so that we can become more like Jesus. We're a work in progress. And we live in a rapidly changing world. Over the last two years, there have been seismic shifts in the culture of the world in which we live. Much of that shift is away from the original plan that God lays out in his word for humankind. Much of that, has, has, that shift has been away from the values, the absolutes that have become the accepted framework of our society and the moral compass with which we determine that we want to build the world that we're a part of. And so we have a choice. Am I going to conform or am I going to be transformed? And our vision as a church, as I stand here on the 16th birthday of our church, our vision as a church has never been to reflect the culture that we're a part of, but it's been to create a kingdom culture that can bring about personal transformation and community transformation. And my prayer is that we would be a church that is continually being transformed and working to bring about positive change in the world in which we live. While I was thinking about this message, I was reminded of a, an interesting, an interesting uh, proverb that Solomon wrote. And it's Proverbs 10 and 11, and in the message version of the Bible, it puts it really well. And you say, your first question may be, what on earth has this got to do with what we're talking about? In Proverbs 10 and verse 11, in the message version of the Bible, it says, The mouth of a good person is a deep, life-giving well, but the mouth of the wicked is a dark cave of abuse. The mouth of a good person is a deep, life-giving well, but the mouth of the wicked is a dark cave of abuse. When I first read this in the message version of the Bible, it caught my attention, and I began to think about the difference between a well and a cave. A well is dug according to a plan and a blueprint. It is dug with intentionality, it is dug by design, but a cave is not dug with human hands, it's not made according to a predetermined plan, it's crafted, it's shaped by the elements, it's shaped by the wind and the waves, it's shaped by the prevailing environment. And Solomon here makes a fascinating inspired and an illuminated comparison between a well and a cave. 
And he said, out of the, the mouth of a good person is like a deep, life-giving well that has been carefully crafted, planned, built according to the design of God's Word. And it becomes a deep, life-giving well. But the mouth of a person who does not live with intentionality, who does not live with a, with a desire to be transformed continually from one degree of glory to another, who just allows their life to be shaped and crafted by the prevailing winds of opinion and culture and the elements, becomes like a dark cave that is formed by its environment. A cave that is shaped by conformity to the prevailing culture, not by God's design, and merely becomes like a dark cave that echoes the loudest voice of the day. And I began to think deeply about this and how God did not create us to be an echo of the prevailing sound of our day and generation. But he created you and me to be a voice. A voice in our day. A voice in our generation that can be like a life-giving well that can bring life to those who are in despair, that can bring life to those who are without hope, that can bring life to those who have lost their way, who can bring life to those like me as a 23-year-old who is trying to navigate their way through all of the pressures of life that were trying to conform me until I had an encounter with Jesus Christ. We can be that voice. And I pray that we as a church on this our 16th birthday, that we as a church can continue to make a commitment to being a people who are willing to be transformed, who want to be a part of the process of bringing transformation to our world. Not a church that merely reflects the prevailing culture, but a church that is committed to creating kingdom culture that can bring transformation individually and corporately. And we can do that because we are living stones that are being built into a spiritual house. We are being transformed from one degree of glory to the other. And I want to close with this passage of Scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18 as the worship team Come to the platform. Now all of us, with our faces unveiled, reflect the glory of the Lord as if we are mirrors. And so we are being transformed, metamorphosed into His same image from one radiance of glory to another, just as the Spirit of the Lord accomplishes it. God wants us to go through a metamorphosis. And that word metamorphosis literally means that we will be a reflection 
of our true inner reality. A changing form in keeping with an inner reality. You and I are a work in progress. But on the inside of us is the essence of who Jesus made us to be when we were born again. The Spirit of God came into our hearts and into our lives. And God began a work of transformation. And the metamorphosis is the changing of the outward form in keeping with the inner reality of what God has already done in our life. I'm being changed. I'm becoming more on the outside like the inner reality of who I am because the Spirit of Christ lives on the inside of me. Let's be that voice to our day and to our generation in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray. Pray for each and every one of you. Pray for our church. Father God, I pray as we stand here today that each and every one of us would, would have a deep sense of the your great love for each and every one of us. That despite our failings, despite our weaknesses, we are a work in progress. Lord, that we can become like that deep, life-giving well that is a voice that brings hope and life to our world and our community. Transform us and change us. May we experience that metamorphosis so that there can be a, a revelation of the inner reality of who we are in Christ as we continually change from one degree of glory to another. Father God, I pray for each and every person here, for those who are sick. We thank, thank you for health and healing in Jesus' name. For those who need a financial breakthrough, Lord, I pray for financial breakthrough. Lord, may you turn impossible situations around. For those who are without hope, Lord, may hope rise in each and every heart. Holy Spirit, may you do in each and every person's life that which only you can do. May you illuminate. May you breathe hope and life. May you bring strength to each and every person. And Lord, today we honor you and we worship you in this place. Lord, we stand on this anniversary so thankful for all that you have done. But Lord, may you continue your work in us, through us, and in our church, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name. In these just in these moments, if you would keep your eyes closed, if there's anyone in this place, you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior. Or you may have done so in the past, but you know that you need to make a recommitment of your life to Christ. We want to give you an opportunity today to say yes to Jesus. You don't have to do anything other than simply to accept what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago through his death and resurrection. And if you are wanting to do that today, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer after me from the depths of your heart. God's going to hear your prayer. He's going to answer your prayer. And you're going to know God's Spirit on the inside of you, beginning His work, changing and transforming you from one degree of glory to another. You'll know what it is to be forgiven. 
to have a sense of divine purpose, to know what it is to experience the promise of eternal life. And whether you're here in person or you're watching online, we believe that God's going to do something powerful right now in Jesus' name. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And I receive you, Jesus, as my Savior and my Lord. I ask you to forgive me. Give me a new start, a fresh beginning. And I pray that today I might know your grace and your goodness, continually changing and transforming me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Why don't we thank God for His grace?